kia hora te marino, kia whakapapapau namu te moana, kia tere tere te kārohirohi, a ko tō hōhaere ko te rangimārie. May the calm be widespread. May the ocean glimmer like smooth jade. May the mirage of summer's promise shimmer upon you. And your travelling companion be peace. Ena iwe e nga hapu e nga kārangananga maha o te motu, no mai haere mai ki te hotaka nei a te ahikā. I'm Mariah Rakuraku. And I'm Justine Murray, and you're back with Te Ahikā here on Radio New Zealand National. One of the more unique acts offered at the New Zealand International Arts Festival was a showcase of Indigenous women musicians. But I met the kahungunu woman behind it all, Vicky Gordon. We talk a lot about in Australia about the fact that within festival and certainly within the theatre context that a lot of what is being privileged are men's stories. It's all about the way men see the world, what they want to hear, what they want to talk about. What we're doing is privileging women's stories and not only that, we're privileging indigenous women's stories, poetry and song and that's the power of it. Vicky Gordon will be up in a moment. Marae Rua Marae, Waitangi Rua Wellington, is a bit different to the marae we've covered here on Te Ahika to date. There's two of everything. What? Two wharekai wharenui? This is Nahauefa, this is the older complex, the older and you've got complex. the newer complex at the front. Mm. Um, I mean, is it a little bit confusing as to, like, if you have a tangihanga, if you want to use the new one or the old one? or So the, the, the people have got two choices. It's really interesting because people make different choices, and right. some of the people who've been involved with this marae for years still like to come in here for their tangihanga. It's their it home the, It base. caught us by surprise. Once we opened the Whareinui, we thought they'd all want to go over there, but that isn't necessarily no. true. Mike and Julie Dwyer coming up later on in the show. Nā reira e nā iwi, koira nā kōrero e heke mai nei. That's what's coming up on Te Ahika in the next wee while. Kia mō tonu mai. You're listening to the sound of Te Ahika with Justine Murray and Mariah Rakuraku. She's your boy, Taina. Copyright is a tricky thing and something Māori communities always find themselves bunting their heads up against. So what happens when the world's most famous golfing star comes to your town and suggests your suburb's name needs to be changed. Jimmy Porkere explains. Okay, so tell me about the marae that's been built down at Tiger Town. Yeah, well, well it's actually um, it's in the Namutu area. It's um, part of um, the port area. It's right down on the waterfront. And it's, it's um, the Namutu beach front. Yeah, so Namatu is the Ingoa Tuturu more New Plymouth. Oh, yeah, yeah, and the the beach is named Namutu. Yeah, and that's down the port here. But back in my children, when I was a child, it was it was Tiger Town, and everybody still called it Tiger Town today. Why was it called Tiger Town? Oh, it was the people. Yeah, you know, the people there they they uh, did everything together, and. Um, People from out like out, out of that area reckon they were all tigers down there, you know? <laughs> and it was very Maori orientated. Yeah. So uh, that means generations of whānau were growing up together. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and you you stuck together, you know. You did things together. You you, you played sport together, and um, it was all. And that's how the name Tiger come Tiger Town. <laughs> 
Oh, we don't get down by those tigers. <laughs> <laughs> and you lived at Tiger Town since you were nine years old? Yeah, yeah, I lived in Tiger Town and I built a house in that area as well. And, uh, Do you still live there? Yeah, yeah, so I still live in the Tiger Town area, yeah. So did your parents end up moving here? No, my, my um, father died when I was seven and my mum, she moved us here. We came from um, farming background. We still have a farm there. We still have the farm there, but um, we have a share milk on it now. Um, but New Plymouth is pretty much the major city on this side of the island, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And it was back then as well. Yeah, Because yeah, it's a port yeah, town. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, and the, the Utapa is still down there. Um, a lot of local Māoris are buried there. From Tiger Town, <laughs> <laughs> and um, Dickie Barrett, he's he's there as well. He was the white, you know, the whaler. He, he's buried there, and the, that Utapa, where the Utapa is, the Manai will be just city side of it. Jimmy Porkett, did the Pakeha community mix with the Maori community here? Some areas, some areas, some areas. Um, Not so much in Tiger Town. No, Tiger Town, everyone mixes, <laughs> yeah. Everyone mixes, yeah. They, and everybody knows everyone by their first name, you know. It's not Mr. Mr. Jones, Mr. Black, it's a George, Frank, you know, Harry, whatever. And, uh, and that's still today. Because a lot of the parents have passed on, but the kids are still there, you know. And the ones from my era are still there. And um, there's a road called Pioneer Road. They nicknamed it Pint of Beer Road. <laughs> right. No need to explain why that was so. <laughs> well, just around the corner was one of the most popular pubs in, in New Plymouth. And it was called Does the Break. Does it still exist? It, down Tiger Town. Yeah. There was a hotel there. It used to be called the Breakwater Hotel. And that was everywhere where everyone congregated. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, but now things have changed. Um, they got the little ones on corners and those sort of things, you know. And um, shoulder to shoulder now. <laughs> but no, Tiger Town. It's um, I'll give you a little story about Tiger Town. When Tiger Woods come to play golf here in New Zealand, they wanted the name changed. We wrote a letter in the paper and said no one will ever change a name that we were given. Because the name existed long before it, Tiger Woods. So before he was born, it was Tiger Town. And that was, you know, that's only uh, money, money, you know, all because of money. And, so and no, copyrights. Yeah, copyrights and all that. And I said, well, we had the copyrights before he had it. <laughs> and Tigers had the copyright before he did. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> the local... Local league team there is the uh, Western Suburbs Tigers. Uh, so I say you know, that name's been there long before any copyright that they they, they were up against, you know. And uh, but you can ask anyone that's sort of born in New Plymouth, just ask them where Tiger Town is, and they'll tell you. <laughs> now I asked you earlier about an article that I'd seen labelling New Plymouth as a redneck town and we had a conversation and I asked you whether part of that is the 
collision between Mavdi and Parkham because of the colonial history here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's that's that part and parcel of it. Um, we're trying to renew it, yeah, you know, the best way we can. And um, we're not by Māori going to the Pākehā, it's by the Pākehā coming to, to us. Um, last fortnight ago we had the Mayor come to us, wanted to come and speak to us, but he had to go through the channels. I have a, I have a secretary, so his secretary had to ring my secretary, our secretary from the Kauniheta, to make an appointment. So Jimmy, would you say what you're doing is you're reinforcing the Treaty of Waitangi relationship? Aye, aye, aye. As best as, as best as possible. <laughs> Which, as a city council, they would be familiar with that. Yeah. And you're. I'm just enforcing it. Yeah. So that it's more than just words in a paper. Yeah. But as a practice. Yeah. Yeah. Even though we have an open door policy, you still have to. <laughs> to come through that door, you still have to be invited. Yeah. So, uh, like, if you go to the council and you want to talk to the, the mayor or anyone, you have, you have to make an appointment. Kia ora, that was Mariah Rakuraku in New Plymouth, and this is Tiahika. Now, if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do so. Email us, tiahika at radioNZ.co.nz. I'm Justine Murray. And I'm Mariah Rakuraku, and this is Tiahika. Fidimako Black with a track from her 1999 album, Shrouded in the Mist. The track is called Momo. She was one of the barefoot divas made up of Indigenous women, Emma Donovan, Ngari Joseph, Macy Rika, and Merenia Gillies, that took the Sydney and Wellington Art Festivals by storm. Now, how's this for a review? I didn't realise how spiritually parched I was until I saw the Barefoot Divas. I felt like I was lying in the long grass having honey embers poured into my ears. Wow, was that written by you? <laughs> Before the Wellington shows a few weeks back, I sat down with the producer, Vicky Gordon. Um, spent many years working in the Australian music industry to promote and improve the status of women in the music industry and I've spent the last 25 years working with Indigenous artists. Um, my background is I was born in Wellington and, and, and grew up in Whanganui in Auckland and uh, come from uh, Ngāti Kahunganui uh, tribe and um, I for a long time have been wanting to put a show together which showcases Māori women with Aboriginal women, Australian Aboriginal women and also with Papua New Guinea. Um, so the show really was started two years ago, the project. Um, I took a group of women of which three of the barefoot, current Barefoot Divas were a part of to Brisbane to perform and then we took a group, that group of women to Vanuatu to perform at Fest Napawan and I was over there at the time trying to set up a Pacific Women's Music Alliance. Um, and uh, that that was a really interesting experience. We we kind of I worked out through that process what I think we needed to do to create the Barefoot Divas. At the same time, I was speaking with the artistic director of the Sydney Festival and the artistic director of the New Zealand Festival, who agreed to co-commission the work. Um, at that point, I decided that I really needed to have more Maori content in the in the work, and they commissioned Alana Valentine, the writer, um, to write the work to write a script that was really about the women's stories 
without any imposition. There's no, nothing imposed at all. It's really very much their, their stories. Um, and to create a structure for the work, which was something we didn't have when we first started two years ago. Um, and I brought in uh, the music director, Adam Ventura, and his extra this extraordinary band, and um, some, some other great creatives who've, who've worked with me to help to, to get the work up, a lighting designer and a wardrobe manager and all of those beautiful people that you have access to, when you, if you're lucky enough to have access to when you're working with a festival. Because this is what gives it the difference, isn't it, is that you've taken the shared stories of these indigenous women and you've woven them together so that, so that it shows the shared experience, I mean, especially of colonisation. Yes, that's and right. the impact upon wahine. It kind of sets it apart from a gig. It does, it does. And I think the women are all so powerful in their own right. They've all got their own careers. They've all got their own music industry. And it's often they'd be competing against each other. Yes, and, and ironically, even though we call the show Barefoot Divas, they are, we've reclaimed the word diva to mean something really nice, actually. And, and the, the women are the least diva-ish of any, anybody, any artist I've ever worked with. So we're not... We're not there's that no, must be very refreshing. It's very refreshing for me. This has been the most challenging and the most exciting thing I've ever done in my career. Career, and it's certainly the most rewarding because the women are just so extraordinary to work with. They are very respectful. There's a lot of trust and integrity in the work, as you've just seen. And also, you know, the boys in the band know how know, they've taken their place, which is really wonderful. So it's, it's a beautiful showcase. Um, putting all of those strong women together on the stage is just a very dynamic experience. It's a very spiritual experience. It's a cultural experience. And it's also um, an experience with a lot of power. Well, I really wanted to find the best women that I could find in my experience. And um, I've worked with Emma Donovan for a long time. Emma is, is, a, is a Gombangia woman from northern New South Wales in Australia who is very unique in that she incorporates her own language into all of her music and songs. And there are very few Indigenous artists in Australia who have been able to do that, of course, because most of the languages, a lot of the languages have been lost. Of course, with... Um, with uh, Fede Marko and Maisie Ricker, I mean, there was no question in, as far as their contribution to the work. Still dropping that beat loud, I'm letting you go. Out having a good time, I'm letting you go. Nairi from Papua New Guinea is, is, rem, is a remarkable artist. Uh, she's the, probably the most theatrical and the most dramatic of all of the girls and she brings another dynamic to the stage. She's this tiny, tiny human being with this beautiful spirit and gifted dramatic sense.
Metania, obviously, is, is Māori, um, sings in six languages, so, uh, you know, and is Romani, Welsh Romani Gypsy. So there was no question about her contribution. Australia, we also performed the show with another diva um, who unfortunately couldn't make the New Zealand season, and her name is Ursula Jovic. She is an Aboriginal Serbian, and she is one of the top Indigenous actresses in the country, um, having worked on the, all of the main stages in Australia, and also in some really big feature films. Um, so, for me, there, look, there are re there, obviously there are there are lots and lots of beautiful women out there who who could form a part of the divas um, and be a part of the show, and if if the show keeps going and we're able to, to maintain the brand, as I, I hope we can, it is something that will take on a long life and we'll work, we will be able to work with other women as That's we grow right. it. You can have a whole it. succession of That's barefoot right. divas yeah. coming through. Yeah, yeah, because this show is Walk a Mile in My Shoes um, and it's really a story about walking a mile in their shoes as Indigenous women in the music industry. Uh, we're working on another concept for a second show already, um, and obviously it, it is something that, that can develop over a period of time um, with different ideas and, and, and a different concept under the banner of Barefoot Divas. Um, for this particular show, we're just so lucky to have the women that we do. So when you talk about some of the challenges, do you mean challenges in getting Indigenous content recognised as having some value because as a punter I've noticed over the years that Indigenous content just seems to lessen and lessen. One of my experiences is, my experiences are twofold, it's actually about women and it's about Indigenous. So when you put those two things together, Indigenous women, you, you actually end up with, with something, with, with actually um, often a concept that is foreign to a lot of people. Um, and certainly um, within Australia, this year was the first year that the Sydney Festival incorporated an Indigenous programme. Um, and um, and and uh, you know, in, in terms of the the New Zealand festival, we've 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 we've, I have to say, we've had nothing but support because the idea is so strong and the women are so so extraordinary. And you know, that's not to say that there haven't been extraordinary artists or extraordinary artists, uh, sorry, ideas prior to Barefoot Divas. Of course, there have been, but I think the timing is right. And I think also, whatever that means, you know, the timing is right. Maybe the, yeah, the timing should always be right, perhaps. Um, Perhaps that's that's the question too. But um, I, I do I do think I, I spend a lot of time in Australia trying to assist. I run a not for profit actually to work with Indigenous artists to try and help them to break into the mainstream, and it's a big part of my work. And we have enormous struggles there. I I, I don't live in New Zealand anymore, but but certainly in terms of Australia, um, the challenges are just enormous. The Indigenous a lot of the Indigenous artists are ignored. They're not acknowledged. We don't see them on TV. We don't see their faces. We don't hear their voices. We barely see them on the stage. It's, exist, it's as if they do not exist. And yet in Australia, with Aboriginal culture, we're talking about one of the oldest cultures in the world. Um, there are enormous problems in Australia around um, recognition for Indigenous people. Um, and um, I think that perhaps that, that the question around Indigenous is something that 
I believe carries through probably everywhere um, in terms of recognition. I think that we're just we're very lucky with the divas that the idea has been supported by two women, actually women festival directors. Who knows whether if I'd taken the Barefoot Divas to a couple of male festival directors, whether they'd even have gotten it. To be honest with you, I mean, you know, we we talk a lot about in Australia about the fact that within festival and certainly within the theatre context, that a lot of what is being privileged are men's stories. It's all about the way men see the world, what they want to hear, what they want to talk about. What we're doing is privileging women's stories, and not only that, we're privileging Indigenous women's stories, poetry and song, and that's the power of it. And when people come and see it, they, they, just, they just cannot believe it. They, because we're giving an audience, we're giving the audience and a festival something they've never experienced before. Um, and I believe there's a lot, there's, obviously there's, there's so much more work out there that should be supported and produced. But, you know, I mean, even from my point of view, it's taken me two years to get it up. I mean, it's just two years of just believing in it and, and keeping going and eventually getting, getting Lindy and, and Lisa Toomey from New Zealand to actually support it. Um, without their support, I, 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 we just wouldn't have the profile. We'd, I, you know, it'd be a great, another great idea sitting in a box in my, in my office, not going anywhere. Um, we're, we're very lucky to have had the support, you know, that, that, that we've got. I don't know. Maybe it's in terms of timing. I mean, it's an interesting thing, um, but I do think that 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 when you it, it really is about the it's about the content. It's about working with something that's got content, substance, yeah, and meaning and heart, and heart. And there's just, so the world we live in is just full of a whole lot of um, cynical, c- empty. yeah, yeah, and shallow. Um, I think. Um, I mean, we just need to turn our television screens on right. every night. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean more and more and more. You know, we're living in a world that is obsessed with technology, and whilst we understand the power of technology and we're able to use it to our advantage, what that is also doing is taking the humanness away from, I think, our relationships with each other. And that is what's so powerful about the divas, is that it is it is human, it is full of heart, and it is full of content, and it'll make you cry if you come and see it. One of the reviewers in Sydney, one of the Sydney theatre critics, he said to me, these were his words, he said, I didn't realise how spiritually parched I was until I saw the barefoot divas. He said, I felt like I was lying in the long grass having honey embers poured into my ears. Stop it. <laughs> That's a Sydney theatre critic, and I tell you, Australia is, it can be a very cynical place. So, you know, that, that, they're the sort of... We, we had a Serbian bishop come and see the, see the show because of Ursula Jovic, who is in the Australian production, is ab- Aboriginal Serbian. He, his, he sent me a quote basically just saying that heaven touched the earth. You know, and we also had Maori men crying in the lobby after. You know, it's a very important piece of work. Very impo- It's empowering. It's empowering for other women. It's empowering for mothers, for children, for girls, for, for, for grandmothers, for aunties. For, it's empowering for whānau. It's empowering for everybody. But it's most importantly empowering for women because we're privileging women's voices. Kia ora, Vicky Gordon, nor Nāti Kahununu. Information about Barefoot Divas is at our website, radionz.co.nz forward slash teahika. Now, they've disbanded for now until their next gig, and the women have returned to their homes and their own gigging schedules. However, every Sunday night for the next eight weeks or so, you can see Macy Rika. She's on Māori Television and the programme Stories from the Inside. The first episode was last week and it looks good. I know, it sure does. And don't forget to search Tiahika, it's T-E-A-H-I-K-A-A on Facebook and click like. 
There's nothing more welcoming than a fireplace burning in a home. The warmth and the light thrown off speaks of that comfort and cosiness we all crave at times. I mean, who hasn't spent hours sitting near a fire staring into the embers, right? Apply that idea to a marae when a marae is used on a regular basis. It's said to have te ahi calm, as in someone is always there to whakamahana or to keep the, the whare there warm. You'll get the idea in this next corridor of how Te Aika burns brightly at a marae in a Porirua suburb. Ngā marae o te motu. Um, the majority of our whānau, our kuia, they live on their own, so this is a good outing for them. Um, you know, oh, I'm too shy to come, I don't know anyone. After a couple of months, it's, I can't miss my exercise, you know. <laughs> and for them, I think it's more a gathering that's their day out to, to meet new people and... And sometimes we can't get rid of them. I have to ask them to leave. <laughs> oh, hang on, you know, we're just talking about, you know, they making plans. and But no, the fitness is absolutely wonderful for them. Justin Murray Radio, New Zealand National Tiahika. Here for Ngā Marae o Te Motu, Marae Rua, Marae Waitangi Rua in Wellington. I'm here with the wonderful Julie and Mike Dwyer. Kia ora. Kia ora, Justin. Kia ora. <laughs> Tell us where we're standing, please, Mike. You're standing in the old dining room. The old the dining marae, room. The temporary dining room that's continued to be used ever since it came up here in 1973. And uh, we stole a bit of the dining room years ago to create classrooms behind the wall with the carvings on there. Uh, when we were running courses here, we had a catering course for quite a long time with young students coming in. We had a basic skills course, office course, and we staircased students into Fitirea Polytech and places like that. Was it trade training or different to that trade training? It was called TOPS training. Oh, TOPS training, yes. yes. And yes. we had a carving school, Whare Whakairo, uh, for 20 years, and at least 50 of those young carvers helped with the carvings in the Whare Nui. Yes, this is the this is the dining room. Here's the old kitchen next to it. Here served us very well over the years, the ablution blocks, and then the room which we call Nahoe Far, but which is really our our Marae Kopapa, the, the four winds. And uh, it's been used for tangi and twenty firsts and christenings and everything Head you can think of. And, um, <laughs> you name it, we've had every type of food. ceremony in Maoridom and um, our Pacific sisters and brothers, whatever they want to do that needs the room, this is where they come. Absolutely. We have heavy usage by other groups of people, so Samoan groups come in here regularly, Tokelauan groups use this place, lots of schools visit and stay overnight, and we love having them come in here. It's a good experience for them. This is quite a long building. What are the, do you know the dimensions, Michael, of how... Yes, I'd be guessing, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. probably, but it is a very long building because it served as a, as a pub down in the centre of Porirua years ago. The and old tavern. The old tavern the old was tavern. called, yes. And then was it sectioned off and brought up here? It was chopped up in three parts to, to bring up from the town, and what a day that was. Um, Do you remember it, Julie? Well, I wasn't actually here on the day it moved, but I've seen the video so many times, so I reckon I was here in spirit. Uh, we came soon after that. The, the pioneers, man, the ones that they started so this, well. they worked like mad. What were their names? Oh, there was, um, well, there were the Thompsons, 
uh, Bill and Hooky, um, the Peters, Water and Dye, they were here, Mary Stewart, um, the Poor Tuckers, um, the Nathans, um, Ned Nathan, Ned Nathan and his wife Katina. Ted Davis. Ted, yes, that's right. All those people. Oh, look, good good they, people worked very were hard in those absolutely days. Absolutely stunning people. But it has served us wonderfully well down through the years and continues to do so. So for people who haven't been here, basically what we're standing in is a huge hall and it's just sectioned off um, into different areas. So you've got the uh, room back. Hall, classroom area at the back here, yep. dining room area here, pollution yeah. blocks on the side, yep. through to the kitchen. We could possibly walk through to yeah, the kitchen. Yeah, go through to the, to the kitchen. Oh, yes. The poor old kitchens had to go through a number of restructures, as you can imagine, over the years. Yes. Uh, so it's been modernised over time, and stoves have been replaced. Uh, lots of cupboard space. We've had to open it out, and we have to keep up the hygiene, so it's very important to do that. We had the so. um, council come up and have a look, and, uh, you know, from time to time we may have had to replace the odd thing here and there, uh, maybe put a little bit more lino on places where it's got torn. But um, we've never been closed down yet. We've never been closed down. So yeah. this kitchen's still used, Julie? Oh, heavens, yes, yes, yes. Used continuously through here with various hui. A lot of people prefer to come on what we call the, into the old complex, Ngā Hoe Far. They feel comfortable here. They're under the one roof to go from the dining room to the Farimoi, the ablutions, all under one, one roof, so they don't have to go through in the rain. This is where we have our uh, manuhiri coming in when they want to use the hall, because that's the other entrance into our hallway there. Uh, far, you can see our name there, oh, yep. even though we have the whole complex named Ngāhauifar. Um, the old carving school, was that, Mike? Yes, there's two prefabs here, one behind the other, and they served as the whare for Cairo for well over 20 years. Uh, and presently we lease out part of this to a lovely group of ladies who are all grandmothers, and they look after graffiti around the city. So there we go, this is the old complex, Ngahoe Fast, still very much uh, used, uh, here within Marae Rua Marae. And you notice it's nice and warm in here for the komatoa who are yes, coming in. Yes, yes, who are but about but to come we've in. We've got a little bit modern and gone the heat pump way. Oh, no. Nice. Boy, they're wonderful. They're yeah. really lovely. Yeah. They love their heat pumps. <laughs> they do. <laughs> This is where they do the exercise, Julie. This, yeah, this is where they, is where oh, they do their exercise, and the, the dining room, of course, is where they um, finish up. Yeah, we had some wonderful um, kuya and um, women who were doing the tukutuku for the main um, hall over there, Ukaipo Hiato. Is this room used for um, when you have tangihanga? Aye, yep. definitely. Yep, and we have our tangihanga here, and that, that's where they come in through there when we welcome them. Um, we have all sorts here. We have outhangi, weddings, birthdays, hair cutting ceremonies, christenings, annual general meetings, <laughs> <laughs> also exec meetings sometimes we have here. Um, so it's used for whatever people want. You know, they'll come and talk it through. We need to do this, that and the other thing. Have you got somewhere that we could do that? Come and have a look at Ngā Hauefa. 
Um, we can set it up with tables for you, um, or you can provide your own things, whatever it is you feel most comfortable with. So, yes, we have a variety of activities that go on here. So, Julia and Mike, you know, this is Nahoefa, this is the older complex, the old and you've got complex. the newer complex at the front. Mm. Um, I mean, is it a little bit confusing as to, like, if you have a tangihanga, if you want to use the new one or the old one? or So the, the, the people have got two choices. It's really interesting because people make different choices, and right. some of the people who've been involved with this marae for years still like to come in here for their tangihana. It's their it home the, It base. caught us by surprise. Once we opened the Whareinui, we thought they'd all want to go over there, but that isn't necessarily no. true. This is their home base. This mm. is where they feel most comfortable. And, um, Justine, it, it's really, it caught us by surprise, but we've actually had two tangi on the marae going at the same time. Um, one here in Ngāhoe Far and Ukai Pohiato. And um, we didn't plan it that way. Uh, at the very beginning, we had a whānau who was really, really caught short and they had nowhere to go. And we already had a tangi here. So the executive talked about it, talked to the people who were already here um, to make sure that, you know, they wouldn't feel as if we were stepping on their toes. And they said, no, 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 no. You know, you tell them to go to the front and then we'll come, and, we'll come over and pay our respects. And that's what happened. Both groups swapped over Whoa, and I'm... went over to pay their respects to that one and what have you. And it was wonderful. You know, there, there became a real whānau feeling amongst both groups. And I, I would suppose we've had, what, three? we've had about three like three that now. Three or four now. of yeah. two tangi going at the same time. And we're still slightly in shock about it, as you can imagine. <laughs> Wouldn't that be hard on the hokaing in terms of carrying the cost of double the power, double the, I mean, ringawera power? That raises a very interesting question, really. The whole question of costs of tangihanga have become difficult, not just here, but on many marae around the country. So we're, we've had to change what, what we do. In we how are we very it. fortunate in that um, our, the people that have come in, um, they, they usually leave us a really good koha to cover um, most of the things that we provide, they provide their own kai. They provide their own caterers. And uh, once they come on, the marae will be here and the personnel will be here to welcome them in their hour of sadness. Once the formalities are over, they then run the place as if they were at home. And they, you know, we don't come and interfere anymore. Although we pop in just to see if they're okay, um, is there anything you need, and things like that. But once we have the welcoming formalities over and done with, they completely take over. So it's very windy here at uh, Waitangi Rua. And I'm with Julie and Mike Dwyer taking me around uh, Marairua Marai. We've just come out of Nahuifa, referred to as the, the old complex. Uh, here on here on site, and uh, we're going towards the back of Ngahauefa to see the Komatua flats. Here you see our three Komatua flats, which uh, were opened in 1991. So we'll have them paid off in another four years. That's wonderful to know. <laughs> and they're just so compact, like just three little three little flats. flats. Uh, they're two bedroom flats, very. Very compact and very cosy. Okay. 
we're um, looking to um, plant a paharakiki because uh, many of us here are mad on raranga um, and so uh, thanks to Missy McLean and the health girls who went to Te Wananga or, or Aotearoa uh, the Porirua campus and um, so the next project that we'd like to do is to plant a paharakiki with as many different varieties as we can um, to keep that going for posterity. Yeah. Handy having a shopping centre opposite the um, marae, hey Julie? Uh, too handy. <laughs> too handy. <laughs> too handy sometimes. Um, yeah, a lot of us don't live here, so um, it's only for the odd um, bottle of milk and yeah. maybe some prawa or something like that. So uh, as we're not into the catering as a marae anymore, we, we don't do that. Um, we don't use over there. Right. Uh, we go down to the supermarkets oh, and um, yeah, where it's a little bit cheaper. Yeah. So now we are going to the new Ukaipo Hiato. Our new complex, yep. Oh, <laughs> yep, shoe just got caught up on. <gasps> this is beautiful. Look at the bright artwork. Hey, well, this small schools. Here, uh, when we built Tamara, this dining room, which was built sometime after the Whorenui was opened, uh, we realised that we had this beautiful centrepiece here, and we approached the third-year art students of Fitzroy Polytech, and they designed and painted this mural for us, which depicts Kaimoana. Now, the name Marairoa, of course, came from the Tainui Waka of Waikato, but we took the name from the local story of um, the Lady of Hospitality, um, she was well known around here and she had the most wonderful garden. We don't know what her real name was, but um, Martina Baker from Rokawa told us the story. And she became famous for her hospitality and travellers came to know her home as that place with the long garden in Māori, Mararoa. And, and it sort of came down to Marairoa. Let's wander through and yeah. have a look at our new pride and joy because this has only been open for three years. We struggled and struggled to raise the funds to get this built and we're very pleased we finally did it and I think some of the oldies who are no longer with us would be very pleased to know too, mm. absolutely. And Mike's talking to the, uh, talking about the uh, wharekai, right. which we're in now. So this is very, all very modern and we're, we're thrilled to bits with it and it's working very well for us. People love coming in here and doing their cooking for the, whichever group happens to be staying with us. We all love being part of it. We have a love, lovely walk-in chiller over there. Ooh, yes. All the modern facilities. When we looked at some of these stoves, none of us knew how to run them in the first place. <laughs> we needed some training, as you can imagine. And does the um, gas, or the gas, gas yeah. here, which was a new thing for us, but the Did beauty of the gas fire? is that we were able to take it down to the ablution block, and for the first time ever, we have continuous hot water. And so you don't have to be the first up, <laughs> and, the, and the hot water doesn't run out anymore in the shelves. That's a thrill for everybody. Continuous hot water, we love it. Oh, what a luxury, man. Continuously <laughs> hot water. 
No kai or drink to be consumed uh, inside. Kapai. Here is the marae or jewel in the crowd. <laughs> <sighs> it's a wonderful, wonderful whare It's a pleasure sometimes just to come in here and sit and reflect on all the things that have happened down through the years. I can come in here and still feel the pr- prick of tears. There's so much history in here and there's so many good people who have gone before us whose photos are up on the wall here. Perhaps I could mention one or two of them. Yeah, of course. This gentleman here, Ned Nathan, and his wife, Katina. Patricia Grace has written a wonderful Ned book about them. Ned and Katina. Yes. We've, t- uh, we've spoken to Manos Nathan, oh. the son, oh. about, um, about the book yes. that Patricia Grace it's wrote. It's a wonderful book. Ned so, so that's Ned? President. That's you. Katina. Yes, and he was the second president and a, a driving force for the early days of this marae. He'd gone just about the time we first came here. I love the way that the, the po um, coming down from the mara, the potoko mara, have, um, you can see right through them, almost exactly. sort of hollowed out with uh, carvings. That's quite interesting detail. Yes, that was an idea proposed at the, at the time by Lou Kiriopa, who was leading the carving team here. And Lou had been the senior tutor over in the carving school for a considerable length of time. And he was followed by Jim Wickey. And if we look at this back wall, uh, you have to remember nowadays that, that and, and people tend to forget, that it took 12 years to complete all the carvings because we ran out of funding and there were great gaps when we couldn't employ the carvers. And they would go away and find other work mm. and then... Alfred Portoco in particular would find funding and bring them back again. And so it was a long, long, long process. process. Yes. So originally there were to be tukutuku panels going on that back wall up full height. And as you can see, that's vastly changed. And then when we lost that wonderful man, uh, Pohi Hurst, and we took him back to Tomaranui, his people came down and they presented that whariki that you see on the back wall. Lovely. And we didn't quite know initially what to do with it, so it was huge discussions about it in the exec room, and then it was decided to put it on the back wall. We've talked about basically the whole complex, the old and the new. Um, Anything you'd like to add, Julie? Thank you so much for coming, Justine. It's always a pleasure to talk about our our marae and particularly those that have gone ahead. We're only figureheads here. We're only representing them. Um, they, they would be chipping in, I tell you, and say, oh, you forgot this or you forgot that. So, um, you know, it, it's just such a privilege to be here and to call it all with you. We love our marae. Absolutely, it is a privilege. And we always think of the old people who've gone before us. When I go up to the Urupa, sometimes I go and have a talk with Alfred and just let him know what's been going on. Nga marae o te motu. Kia ora, the lovely Mike and Julie Dwyer of Marae Rua, Marae Waitangi Rua, Wellington. So just Taihua, Justine, that's the couple that you interviewed a few years ago, right, for your documentary about Aroha? Aye, it was about how Māori find love through <laughs> their various uh, sports functions, jobs back in the 70s, 80s to today. And yeah, that was Mike and Julie Dwyer, a lovely couple who spoke about how they teote, hukurere, how they met. And you can um, listen to that all 
2010, that documentary was uh, produced and uh, downloaded from the website. And again, that's at our website, radioNZ.co.nz forward slash Te Ahika. And there's also some photos. There's a photo gallery out there. You'll be able to see photos of the marae. Anita Shane Teruki with this week's Fakatoki. Kia hora te mani no kia whakapapapona mu te moana ke tere te kārohirohi a ko tō hoa hāre ko te rangi māri. This is an utterance, uh, or one version of an utterance, by the tohunga of miringa te kakara, one of the tohunga of miringa te kakara, uh, marae in the Ngāti Rereahu, who, when visited by the king, King Tāwhiao, uh, provided to the king these words to ease the king's anxiety. He was preparing, the king at that stage was preparing to go abroad to England to petition the then queen to return the lands that was taken uh, in an in unjust war. Ara, te uh, And so the confiscations, and so Te uh, Rangafinua uttered these words, Kia hora te marino, may the calm be widespread. May the ocean glimmer like smooth jade. May the mirage of summer's promise shimmer before you. And your travelling companion shall be peace itself. Kia ora Shane Teruki, and that's one of my favourite whakatauki right there. Now next week we report back on some hui taking place around the mutsu. And another hikoi, really? This time about asset sales? Aren't we just a little bit over it now? Protest hikoi that is. But I ask some of the whanau. That's what's coming up next week. He mihi tēnei ki ngā kai kōrero i tēnei wiki. Ki ngā kai rā wiki wiki mihini, ngā mihi. Hoki mai hei tērā rā tapu. Mai te whānau a te ahi kā ki a tātou katoa. Mauri ora.